So if you're here last week, we talked about values, and the series that we're going through is called Values, and we talked about developing values. And if you did miss last week, then you can always jun- uh, jump onto our church app and then catch last week's uh, message. But tonight, we're going to be continuing, and we're going to talk about developing these values, but more on the why behind developing these values. Because sometimes we want to do certain things, but we just don't understand why. And if you have the why behind it, then you'll be able to catch the, the reasons and the, uh, during the difficult times, you'll be able to persevere through because you understand why you're doing these certain things. Have you ever had children that ask you that question? That two sim- the two simple words, it's, but why? That's what they ask. But why? Clean your room. But why? Can you take this up? But why? Hey, you need to be home at this certain time. But why? It's like, don't ask those questions. But, but why? It, it, it always comes back to that because our human nature needs to know why in order for us to persevere through the how. When we don't understand why, we won't want to do the how-to. For instance, in a marriage, if you're saying, I want my marriage to be strong, if you believe that, but you don't know why it needs to be strong, then when it becomes difficult, you're not going to do the how in order to make it strong. There needs to be a why behind everything. Any uh, successful company understands their why. Apple products, they understand their why. They make you feel to buy their product. It doesn't have to be the best product. You just have to feel right to purchase their product. They give you the why behind why you're purchasing their product. Other products that may not last as long, they give you information and they tell you the what. They'll tell you, here's what we offer. These are our services. And then you say, oh, that's pretty good, but why do I need it? But with certain other products, you'll get it because you understand the why and you stay faithful to that specific product because you understand the why. So it is with godly values and developing values. When we understand why, then we'll be able to persevere through the difficult times and be able to connect with the how-to and stay faithful to the how-to because we understand why. Last week, we, we looked at three different stories. It was a rich young ruler. We looked at Esau, and then we looked at Joshua. And those three characters helped us to develop these or think through these values. So tonight, we're, we're actually going to continue with that and see where, where God wants us to continue to build and develop these values. So it's kind of like a part two. And as we begin to set up these values, we need to remember the why behind applying the practical wisdom given to us by the Lord, because when we have the practical wisdom and the values that he has given to us, then we'll be able to live them out and perpetuate it throughout our, the rest of our life because we understand the why behind it. So hopefully, as we go on with tonight, you're going to be able to grab some, some principles, some gems, some values, and then take it to the Lord and say, Lord, how does this apply to my life? And, and, and why, why do I need to, or why is it that I, I see this in my future? Why is it so important to have this value? And if I don't have a why right now, hopefully by the end of tonight, you will have a why. You will understand the why behind godly values and then developing those, those godly values. So I'm going to write just the, the definition of the values that we had last week. I'm just going to move this back, okay, because I'm blocking the people. Okay, so 
Last week, we just wrote on the definition of value or values. And we just wrote it out in this way. A person's principles or standards of behavior. Oh, no apostrophe. Sorry. That's, that's a, a star. Let me make it nice. Okay, so a person's, a person's principles or standards or standards. And you, might, you may have taken this down on your notes. And by the way, we have our church app that you can use uh, to take notes too. Standards of behavior. There's no comma there too. Why am I writing a comma? Yeah. This is just a graphics. Okay, so a person's principles or standards of behavior. That's why we use slides, but Wednesday nights we don't use much slides. We do paper, which they're going to tell me, you know, we should start using slides. Behavior. Yeah, behaviors. And one's judgment of what is important in life. And one's judgment on what is important of what is important in life. Of what is important in life. If you don't understand my language and you can't read it, uh, if you understand Japanese, you can. This is kind of the same thing. But that's what the values, that's the definition of the values that we're looking at, is the, the principles or standards of behavior and one's judgment of what is important in life. And we can all agree to what is important in life. We can say, oh, uh, having a strong foundation in the Lord, that's very important. Uh, having having a, a, a good career and providing for my family, that's important. We can mention all the things that are important, but if we don't know the why, then anything can, anything can rock us and kind of crumble our foundation because we don't understand the why behind it. We need to remember the why when we struggle with our values. When I was beginning to understand the why behind uh, who I was becoming in the Lord just as a believer, I always had to go back to God and his promises. That whenever I would have a struggle, let's just say in my marriage, and I thought, well, what, what, would my, what, what does my marriage, what is my marriage supposed to look like, Lord? What, what is it supposed to be like? Well, he said, for one thing, it should be husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church that he gave himself up for it. I said, okay, that's the, that's the what. What's the why behind it? And as I continued to read in, Ephes- in the book of Ephesians, he said, so that you can present her spotless to the Lord without blemish. It's almost like I'm living in such a way that I, as the head of the household, I'm doing so well for my family that I'm not causing them to stumble before the Lord. I'm not causing them to be hindered in their walk with the Lord. In in fact, I am encouraging them to be the best that they can be in the Lord without blemish so that they can be presentable to the Lord. So that's the why behind it. So once I understood the why, then the the so-called sacrifices became that much easier because there was a why behind it. If you're a marathon runner and you needed to Someone told you, if you win this race, I will pay off all of your debts. You 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 will run as best as you can and as fast as you can if you have that much debt. If you owe like three bucks, you're gonna be like, ah, not that big of a deal. But if you owe some hundreds of thousands of dollars, then you're gonna run with all of your might. If they said to you, well, you know, your your college tuition can be paid off, all you have to do is turn in this essay. 
And you don't need to be graded on it. Just turn in this essay and you, you will get the tuition. You'll get your grant. When you understand the why, you're going to take care of the how-to. You're going to do your very best to take care of it. But if you don't understand the why behind it, then it's no big deal. And so it is in life when God gives us his value system, as we develop it, we've got to understand the why behind it. I'm going to use four, I use four gauges, and it's just a way for me to understand or get a, an accurate picture of where I am with the why behind what God is asking of me as a person, as a believer, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, a leader, whatever it is, these four gauges help me in the why behind who I'm becoming. And so I, I wanted to share this, and hopefully it can uh, help you. And you may have seen this before, but just like the dashboard of your car, there is a, there is a, a speedometer, shows you how fast you're going, and then it has your oil. There, then there's different, there are different lights that will come on. You know, if your engine light comes on and, and your oil light comes on or your washer fluid comes on, various lights will show you what's happening in the engine and, and what's happening with the vehicle. So you don't ignore those gauges. You pay close attention to them. So these gauges tell you what you most likely cannot see. Like you don't, you don't see your oil you, you don't see it in your car or through the engine. You just trust the gauge that it's telling you what's happening. Your gas gauge, it's, you're, you're, you're trusting that it's telling you what's not in your tank. So if you're a quarter tank, you're not going to go to Kona. Even if you try, you're not going to make it. So the gauge tells you where you are. And so it is with our life. We have four gauges. These four gauges, gauges, G-A-U. It's so funny because there's no spell check. You know, there's no dots that's going to appear on this thing if it's wrong. So four gauges. Uh, the first one is our mental gauge. The second one is our emotional gauge. The third one is our physical gauge. And then the last one is our spiritual gauge. So these gauges will show us if we're empty or full. And it'll be like a, like a normal gauge, empty and full. And it'll, it'll show up and it'll let us know, okay, you're empty, you're full, and it'll help us as we determine what is our why behind what we do. So when it comes to our mental gauge, those are the, it's the way we think. It's our mind. It's how, it's how our mind operates. It's the things we dwell on. Philippians 4.8 tells us to dwell on good things. Dwell on the good things. In other words, let good things dwell here, live here. Not negativity and, and not slander or gossip. It's it's. It's the mind that we have that as it's being developed that would determine which direction our heart is going to go. Because the thought comes in and then it gets deposited into our hearts. We have a split second to get rid of the thought in order for it not to get deposited in our hearts. Our heart is like a magnet to our thought. Once it gets in there, it gets stuck. But when it's just floating around in here, we can toss it out to take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. So we take it captive so that we can obey Christ. That's why Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our hearts above all things because out of it flow the issues of life. If we have all of this junk that has been deposited from our thoughts, then how are the issues of life going to come out? It can't. All of this junk is in there. Gets, it gets mixed with our emotions, and then we emote towards people. And sometimes it's not a healthy emotion. 
So that's our, our mental gauge. We've got to really pay, pay close attention to our mental gauge. And one way to do that is to make sure you're bringing in what is positive or that which is good and we, weeding out quickly what is bad. And the reason why we do this is so that we guard our hearts. That's the why. Why do I need to protect what goes on in my mind? Can I just read whatever I want, watch whatever I want, listen to whatever I want? You can, but it'll quickly get deposited in your heart and soon shape your soul. And the reason why we don't let every thought just come in and just be loose with it is because we want to be the very best that God has created us to be. And it's going to start with our thought life everything that comes in. So we want to take care of the mental, the mental gauge and how we're thinking. And then our emotional gauge, and that's the one where we run into a lot of problems because we are emotional creatures. God gave us emotion. He gave us feeling, and we have these feelings. So whenever our emotions are out of place and they're unbalanced, that's when we fall into depression, we stress out, we take out our anger on people, we have uncontrolled anger, jealousy seeps in, we have uh, distrust, unforgiveness, and all of, that, that all of our emotions are so rocky and, and kind of like a, in the middle of the ocean, just wave after wave coming and crashing, that we're emotionally unstable. And so people around you, they're very, it's like walking on eggshells. They're just very cautious around you. They don't, they won't, they won't, don't want to like, like talk to you too much because then you might lash out. They don't want to ask you too many questions, and, and, I, and no one wants to live like that. You don't want to be like that, and no one else wants to be like that, and no one wants to be around a person like that when they're emotionally unstable. And when, once you're emotionally unstable, you'll find that many people will start drifting away, and they'll start dropping out because they're having a hard time being around you. So this emotional side It'll get the best of you. And then the devil comes in. He starts whispering. He says, see, they don't even care. He'll start whispering things in your ear. He say, yeah, see, he's doing this. She's doing this. You see? Look at what they posted. Listen, read that. Yeah, post back. Yeah, respond. You're going to hear all of that come in. Why? Because of our emotions. It's empty right now. We're being drained emotionally. So how do you, how do you refill your emotions and why is it important? Well, worship is probably the best way to fill yourself up emotionally. And it's not just singing songs, it's worshiping God. Worshiping God means letting him know how worthy he is. That's pretty much what worship is. It's letting God know how, how, how much he's worth. In everything we do, we worship him. We were created to worship him. So in everything we do, we worship him. You can worship him cleaning house. You can worship him driving your car. You can worship him talking to your children. What does that mean? That means you're doing your very best for God because he's worthy. I'm going to do this for you, not for this person, not for that person. So let's just say you're cleaning house. It's upsetting because you just cleaned the house and everybody walks in with dirt on their feet and you, get, you go crazy because you just cleaned the house. Now, the emotion is real because that's true. It's, you get angry because they just messed up what you just cleaned. At the same time, you can say, Lord, before I beat everybody down, I want to worship you. <laughs> then you can, then your emotions at least are in check. You can at least respond in a different kind of way. So that's just a small example of, I know that never happens, but our emotions need to be in check, and here's why. Because after a while, if they're not in check, our emotions are going to lead us, not the spirit. 
we hear and feel our emotions a lot quicker than we do the spirit because our flesh never fights against our emotions. Our flesh fights against the spirit. So it's like this, the flesh is between the emotion and the spirit, and the flesh is here, and it's just fighting between keeping us as far as possible from the spirit so that even if it were to delay us from the spirit, we've already followed our emotions. That's why we often say delayed obedience is still disobedience. Because it's in that split second that my delayed obedience comes in that the emotions follow the flesh and I can't even hear the Spirit of God. Have you ever been so in a rage that even if someone were to tell you, but you know what God says, you're like, I don't want to hear what God has to say right now. It's like you don't even want to hear it. Why? Because your flesh has now taken over because your emotions are running rampant. So that's our emotional side. And one of the ways we uh, can help our emotions get in balance is doing things that fill us. One is worship, but the other is doing things that fill us. We talk about five things that fill us and five things that drain us. Like, do things that fill you up and not overly, uh, you know, extreme where you're doing everything that fills you and you don't take care of your responsibilities. You still take care of responsibilities, but you find things that fill you. If you love to garden, if you love to surf, if you love to uh, paint, if you love music, you know, things like that, then do things that fill you. And it doesn't have to be for an extended time. You might think, oh, you know what fills me? Being away from my family for six months. That fills me. But that might not work for you. So you have to find what works for you and your family. And then you find that balance of that. You might say, oh, you know what fills me, honey? Golf. I can golf seven days a week. Yeah, but if you're neglecting your family, then that's not going to work either. Because somewhere is going to fall. But if you keep that balance, then you're able to sustain throughout your life. Last week, we talked about, you know, things we got to sacrifice. And one of them was like sports or games or, or, you know, if you're into gaming, if you're on Facebook or things like that. But it's not necessarily just getting rid of everything unless it's that bad. It's really finding balance in all of that. Like I love playing basketball, but I'm not going to join a league that's going to take away a lot of my time because I don't have that time. But I can, on my free time, find out whenever I can go and just play a pickup ball, and that's fine. But you find what that balance is. And Heidi and I had to sit down and talk about, okay, what is this going to look like for the things that fill us and the things that drain us? But look for those things, what fills you and what drains you. And then when it comes to the physical gauge, this one is very important because I don't know at what age I came to that the Lord spoke to me and he said, you are going to see a lot of your heroes die. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you know all the people you look up to, all those that have mentored you? And he said, I said, yeah. He said, you're going to see many of them pass away because they're going to reach that age. And many of them will reach a certain age where their physical body just can't keep up. It just can't keep up. The, the place where I've been told or what my mentors have told me or even those that are older that are dealing with health issues, this is what they constantly speak to me. And they spoke to me this when I was in my 20s. I'm in my 40s now, but in my 20s, they said this. They said, Sheldon, take care of yourself. Not in a selfish way, but they said, take care of yourself. Watch what you eat. Make sure you exercise. Be aware of these things. And I said, but why? <laughs> right? Well, why? It said, because you're going to, if you develop a discipline for that, as you get older, it's going to help you along the way because your metabolism slows down 
and health becomes an issue, as well as your body goes through changes. So you don't burn off certain things as quickly, as well as certain things that you're eating, because it's unhealthy, is going to catch up with you later. Then when you hit your 50s and 60s, you're going to have all kinds of health ailments when you could have prevented it in your 20s and 30s. And I said, like what? And he started to name certain things, and I'm like, whoa, so how does that affect me? I said, well, it affects you in this way. You know, you, you, you can't move around as much. Traveling is going to be difficult. Um, walking upstairs are going to be difficult if you don't take care of your, your, your knees and, you know, all these things, your, the joints in your body. So they're naming all these things, and I'm thinking, but I want to serve God with all that I have. I don't want to be a hindrance to the Lord and, and, and uh, not take care of my physical body. So I said, well, give me some advice. And they said, you're going to want to put together some certain systems in place and, and of course, health and, and whatever else. But the main why behind it, I asked them. I said, give me the, give me the thing that will, because I, I, don't, I don't buy into that yet because it only affects me. That's, it's, it's my physical body. Who, who cares of what I'm going through? And, and this is what they said. They said, you think it only affects you. I said, but it does. My wife's not going to feel the pain if I have bad knees. He goes, no, no she's not going to feel the pain, but she's going to go through it with you. And so what happens is because of your neglect for yourself, she now has to put everything on hold for you. And I said, so where do I go from here? And he said, you've got to discipline yourself now. And I was in my 20s. I'm thinking, why do I have to? I still had that mentality of why and why and why. The more I got into ministry, the more I understood the why. I sat down with families. I sat down with husbands and wives that lost their loved ones because of health. And I thought, wait a minute, Lord, there's a bigger why than just the physical body. Because we're going to die and go to heaven. So it's almost like we're all going to end up there. And I always had the mentality of when it's my time, it's my time. But then God spoke to me. He said, you know, I have a certain time for you. But you can also cut short that time. And that's not my will. Because your disobedience to me, as this being the temple of the Holy Spirit, to take care of your bodies because it's a temple of the Holy Spirit, you're not taking care of my temple. So yes, you may cut short your time and think that, oh, it's God's timing, but it wasn't my time. I know the numbers of your days. I definitely know them. But it doesn't mean that's, that were the, those were the only numbers. And this rocked me every time, even, even till this day. I always have to think about that. Now, one day I was jogging down my street, and I had this neighbor, and, and he came up to me. He goes, hey, I always see you running, 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 running. And I was, how come you're running? I said, oh, yeah. I'm just trying to, trying to stay healthy. He goes, you know, I don't good friend. He, goes, he run, he run, he run, he run, he run. He's very healthy, ran marathons, in shape, really good, 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 healthy, healthy, healthy. Got hit by a bus and died. <laughs> I was like, are you a junk neighbor? What kind of neighbor are you? And, and I heard what he said. You know, I caught what he was saying. He was saying, you never know what's going to happen. You just never know what's going to happen. However, the chances of that happening... And or me saying, oh, that might happen, therefore I don't care, 
Now the percentages of me not getting hit by a bus but still dying is now higher. So when I had to shift towards the values of the why, then I had to think future. I had to think about my children, my grandchildren, Heidi. I had to think about these people because they are going to be the ones that are going to suffer with me. Now, you might be in that place right now. And maybe right now you're thinking, boy, yeah, I, I didn't. But here's where I am today. And I, and I don't know what to do. I would say this, take it to the Lord. Really take it to the Lord. And don't go to him and say, God, just heal me. <laughs> you know, for 40 years I've been eating like this. Heal me. He, he may heal you in a different way. He may heal your mind, the way you think. He may heal the way you're thinking about yourself, and now no sense already. There is still opportunity. And God still has hope. You may have a loved one, a, a parent, or, or a sibling that is going through some health issues. Pray for them. Pray with them because there is still hope. God gives us that hope. So when he says you start developing these values, if we don't know the why behind it, we're not going to do the how-to. And then the, the last one is our spirit, our spiritual gauge. Our spiritual gauge is very tricky because it, get, it gets mixed up with the emotions and even the way we think. Because sometimes what happens is it sounds good, but it's not God. It sounds like it should be correct, but it's not God. And what we normally do is we try to find out, okay, is this right or is this, or is this wrong? And I, I tried staying away from that because that's law, which is fine. It, it kind of gives us a foundation in which direction to go. But as we're going from what is right and what is wrong, I must include in that equation what is wise and what is unwise. What is wise for me? It's not wrong for me to go out on a dinner with a woman other than Heidi. It's not wrong. There's, there's nothing that says, oh, that's against the law. You can't do that. But it's not wise. It is not wise. And if you know Heidi, it is definitely not wise. That's right. Yeah. So, because if we say, oh, it's not wrong, you can get away with a lot. But if, it's, if you go with wise and unwise, now God can speak. That's what happened with the rich young ruler. He's saying, okay, what do I need to do to gain eternal life? What, what must I do? And Jesus said, Here, here's the commandments. He said, I did all of them. What do I still lack? In other words, I'm still dissatisfied. Something, I'm empty. And he says, go sell all you have. Give it to the poor. And then come follow me. Why did Jesus say come follow me? Because that's where wisdom comes from. Because the rich young ruler still had the mentality of, oh, I got to do what is right and wrong. And Jesus said, you did that already. You did the laws. But here's where you're lacking. You're lacking the wisdom to go along with everything else. So with the spirit, when God speaks to us, he'll speak to our spirit. That's why we have a difficult time. Because everything else is against the Spirit. It's three against one. But when you allow God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, now it's four against three. Yeah, you guys lose. Loser. Yeah, so 
If you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and then your spirit, you overtake, sorry, I was just kind of like in my own mind, but you overtake these guys. And that's why we do devotions. See the why behind it? Sometimes we think, why do I have to read the Bible? That's why, because we're outnumbered. But if you bring in the Spirit of God and you get into the Word of God, you may not feel like you're winning or you may not feel like anything's happening, but the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's alive and active, piercing as far as the division of both soul and spirit, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's Hebrews 4.12. That's what the Bible does. That's what the Word of God does. It's able to do that. You're not, you may not see it visibly. You may not feel different, but your spirit senses it. And you'll be able to discern. You'll be able to make wiser decisions because the Word of God is in you. That's the why behind it. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, God says to Moses, he says, you know, that's when he saw the, the burning bush and then he turned and then he, he, he came near. And God says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And this is, actually, this is well after he met with God and they were taken out of Egypt. This is where Moses was finally coming to his senses that here's a God who is going to lead us. But what God didn't say is, I, I am... I am the God of fathers. I am the God of the ones who have many children. The, the God of those whom my promises are lived through. The God of a nation that will represent me in a world. In other words, God spoke truthfully when he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't just randomly say, I'm the God of fathers and children and promises. He was specifically, and God spoke relationally not historically. And the reason why he spoke to Moses relationally is because he's saying to Moses that when you follow me, it has to be in a relationship. I am the God of that guy Abraham, that guy Isaac, that guy Jacob. I'm specifically letting you know who I am. This is the God they're serving. So this is who I am, Moses. I'm a relational God. I know you by name. And I know everything that you've done. So when God tells us to follow his spirit, he also gives us how to follow his spirit. He's saying, take off your sandals. For the place you are standing is holy ground. In other words, when we meet with God, it's a holy moment. So if you're going to, if you're going to pray to him, worship him, kind of have that mentality that I, I, am, I am standing on holy ground. So as we develop values as, and, and we, we remember the why behind why we do what we do or applying these values, we need to always remember lest we forget and when it gets too hard, we bail out. And so we're going to look at three key factors that help us with the why behind it. Here's the first thing, and if you're taking notes, write this in, that my God-given potential is where I'll be the most joyful. My God-given potential, because everyone has God-given potential. That my God-given potential is where I will be the most joyful. 
That's where you're going to find the most joy. It's at, in your God-given potential. You're not going to find the most, most joy out in the world away from God or doing your own thing. You're going to find the most joy when your God-given potential is released. That's why last week when we said that we will need to make sacrifices, when we make sacrifices, it must become a lifestyle. And I, I, I put this mantra in my head that whenever God asks me to change and I begin to change, if I'm going to change, I must change forever. That's just the mentality I have to have. I have to have the mentality of I'm, I'm not just going to change so that I get her back or him back. I'm not going to change so that I get into a leadership position. I'm not going to change so that I get the job. I'm not going to change so that they trust me again or that they forgive me. I'm not going to change so that they pay me back. I'm not going to change just for that. If I'm going to change, I'm going to change forever. Because if I just change for the moment, now I'm setting myself up for more distrust, more unforgiveness, more pain, more suffering. So if I'm going to sacrifice anything, and I'm, if I'm going to change, I'm going to have to change forever. That's why in order for me to change forever, I don't need passing emotions. I need a forever God. I cannot change because of emotions. I must change because of God. See, the God-given potential that he gives to us is a God-given potential. That's, that's a lot to look forward to. That's a great reason to change with God. Because there, are, there is potential inside of all of us. That's what happened with Esau, what we read last week, is that he didn't realize his God-given potential, his birthright. So when he came home and Jacob was cooking and he said to Jacob, hey, I want some of that, he said, well, give me your birthright. He's like, what is my birthright to me? Well, no value. Here you go. Take it. Give me some of that stool. And so he ate and he was satisfied. And he despised his birthright. He found no value in his birthright. He found no value in his God-given potential. And you know what is crippling and sad? Is that many of us, we feel the same. We don't see the value in our God-given potential. We kind of just go on with life hoping something great happens. And God is saying, there's greatness in you. It's not out there. You don't go and get it. It's in you. You got to release it. But you need me to do it because it's too powerful for you. You need my power in order for you to sustain my God-given potential in you. It's that powerful. It's that meaningful. It's, it's of high value. And it doesn't mean you become a person in a, a, a high leadership role or you excel in business and things like that. You may do that, but that, that's not your, that doesn't define you. That's not your identity. Your identity is in who God created you to be to reach that God-given potential. And he says, this is, this is who I see you to be. And Esau never saw that. And if you don't see the value of your potential future, then you won't make the sacrifices of today to get you there. We got to see the future and, and the potential future. Proverbs 4, 24, 30 through 34 gives kind of like a, an illustrative passage of how, how we can think and what we can imagine. So it gives us like a word picture and it reads this, I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense. And behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. So you can imagine this place kind of uh, broken down, abandoned, overgrown. And he says this, but when I saw, I reflected upon it. In other words, I started to think I started to use my mind. I saw all the junk, but I started to use my mind. I reflected upon it. I looked. I used my physical eyes. I looked, 
and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. In other words, he's saying, I need to receive instruction. I need to remember the why behind it. Because if not, then poverty will come as a robber and my want like an armed man. My, it's almost like my life will become what I see that is broken down. And if I don't remember my why, then I'm not going to receive instruction. I, I, I will fold my hands and rest and never change and actually atrophy. I'm going to go backwards. I'm, I'm going to start diminishing and becoming weaker and weaker. Romans 13, 13 and 14, it says, because, because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Make no provision for the flesh. Provision, to take thought for, care for a thing or forethought, to make provision for a thing. You know, it's almost like don't feed the thing. Don't make no provision for the flesh. The second thing is that I will need a strong spirit in order to carry the weight of God's promises for me. You're going to need a strong spirit to carry the weight of God's promises. You need a strong spirit. See, the, the promise of God is for everyone. God has promises for every single one of us. You might look at other people and say, well, how come they have more and I don't? It's, it's not about comparing because the promises God has for you is for you. The promises God has for someone else is for them. But I can tell you this, majority of the time when that happens and you don't see the promises of God coming into your life, most likely it's because your spirit is not strong enough to sustain the promise of God. The promises of God, is, it's a it's a heavy burden to carry. But if I don't understand the spiritual side of it, then I won't be able to cast my cares on him because he cares for me. I won't be able to take his burden upon me. Remember he said that? Come and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. For I am gentle and humble in heart. He said, my, my yoke is easy. It's gentle. It's It's light but it still has weight to it. It's going to be lighter than our burden, but we still need the Spirit to sustain it. That's why whenever we come to God, He, he, will, always, he will always breathe into our spirit. That's what salvation is, our spirit coming to life. He's bringing us back to life. When Last week when we talked about don't fuel our flesh, whenever we see uh, my, ourselves giving in to our flesh, it's an indication that our, our spirit is starving. When we keep giving in to the flesh, it's, it's an indication. Tell, it's almost like the scale system of how, how my spirit is doing. If I give in more to the flesh, it's telling me your spirit is, being, is weak right now. But the more I feed my spirit and less of my flesh, then it's, a, it's, a, it's the scale that says, now you're becoming full of the spirit. And that's where we become stronger and stronger. And then as God dishes out promises, we can handle them along the way. 
lest the enemy come in. And even though God gives us his promises, if our spirit gets tackled, we won't be able to sustain it. These four gauges is, just imagine like a, the chair that you're sitting on. Can I, I'm just going to, sorry, camera crew. I'm just going to grab this chair real quick. Sorry. Okay. Okay, this chair. Sorry, this chair is very light. It's not hurt my back. Okay, so it's a four-legged chair. If you were to take off, I can't take off one leg, but just imagine if one leg broke off. If you broke off one leg and you were to sit down on this chair, if you sit down on this chair with three legs, whatever leg is broken, that's where you're going to tip, right? Whatever, but you, you can't, let's just say this last leg was broken. I can lean forward. And I'll be okay. I, I can sit like this. If this one was weak, then I would have to kind of sit like this. So whatever, whatever way is weak or whatever side is weak, I'm just going to have to compensate for the other ones. That, that's all I have to do. And some of us are okay with that. We just say, oh, my spirit is weak. I can handle these guys, though. I can, just, I can emotionally, mentally, and physically live. I can be weak in my spirit. But here, here's the problem with that mentality. With everyone I've seen, it could be a pastor, it could be any leader, it could be anyone in a business, family, anytime something crumbles, you can usually find one of these areas that triggered it. It's always one of these areas. Sometimes multiple. But normally, at least one of them was knocked out. The spirit was weak. The physical body was weak. Mental, the way we think was weak. Our emotions were unstable. Something tipped us over, and that's where we fell. And guess who pushes us more and more in that direction? The devil himself. That's where he will attack. He will keep pushing so that we topple over in one of those areas. And we don't see it. It's very subtle. He comes in as a thief only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. But if we're, if we're strong in the spirit and we can handle these areas, then this is the foundation in which we build where no other foundation can be laid than the one that has already been laid, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, when you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that is the greatest of all commandments. That's why Jesus said it that way. He said, when you're loving me in every single area, who can stand against you? You're, you're more than a conqueror because you're able to sustain the promises of God in every area of your life. So when there's darkness or when there's opposition in your life, it doesn't last too long because you're, all areas are firing and every area, all the gauges are full. And even if one area was to lack just for a little bit, you just take a hit, maybe something negative happened or something bad, you can get filled up really quickly. Because you're, you're moving by the spirit. You're not, you're not moving by the flesh, your emotions, or your thought life, or your physical. It's, I, I am moving by the spirit of God. So in case one goes down, up, oh, the spirit of God will lead me to fill again. That's what, that's what it means to be led by the spirit. It's not being led by the flesh. It's being led by the spirit. So now the spirit overtakes everything else. And that's the power of God working in us. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 2 through 5, it says, I beg you. That when you come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be toward some people who think 
that we live by the standards of this world. And this is Paul the Apostle speaking. He says, for, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We don't follow the spirit, spirit of the world the way the world does. We don't wage war like that. The weapons of our warfare have divine power to demolish strongholds. See, Esau never did the heart check of the why behind not valuing his potential future. He never did a heart check, but his flesh exposed that he lacked in that area. His flesh revealed the truth of what he was dealing with or his values. And your flesh, your flesh will always fight against the spirit. That's why in last week when you talked about Joshua and he said, listen, here's your, here's your, here are your choices. You can serve the gods that are on the other side of the river or you, can, or you can serve the God in whom released us and saved us and took us out of slavery, freed us from slavery out of Egypt. You can serve that God or this God. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In other words, what Joshua is saying is, and here's the last thing, and here's the, here's the why, because I want to please God at my maximum capacity. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So I need faith in order to please God, and I want to please God at my maximum capacity. I don't want to serve God 50%, 60%, 80%. I don't want to serve God enough to get by. I want to give him 100% of my life because he gave me 100% of his. So when it comes to the value systems, last week we said that We've got to value what God values. Ephesians 3.20 tells us it like this. It says, Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. What Paul is saying is dream your biggest dream and when you follow God, he can top it. You just think of your, your max capacity, but then when you follow God, he'll, he'll exceed that. But nonetheless, imagine where we are right now in our life today. None of us right now are at max capacity. There is still God-given potential yet to be released. we got to find that. Begin with looking towards what God sees in us and say to God, I, I want my potential to be released because that's where I will be the most joyful. But i got to be strong in spirit to be able to sustain that promise because I want to reach maximum capacity, Lord. If you look at the life of Jesus, he reached maximum capacity, so much so that his body had to die in order for his spirit to continue. And then he passed that on to you and I. It overflowed forever. He lives forever. He is risen. That's what it means. In other words, Jesus' capacity is limitless. Not even death could stop him. He walked right through death 
and continued on into eternity. Nothing stops Jesus. The Bible says that same promise lives in you. That same potential lives in you. The same spirit lives in you. Exceedingly abundantly more than you could possibly ever imagine or dream. You have not even reached your max capacity. I pray tonight that we would have that why behind it, that God, I want to reach my maximum capacity in every area of my life so that I, as I do that, can become more and more like you. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads with me as we close in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for giving us an example of what it means to not just live with values, but, but the why behind it. Your why in coming to this earth was to seek and to save that which was lost. And so when you came to this earth, Lord, everything, everything hung on that. That was, the, that was the driving force behind everything that you did. Even going to the cross, even before you went to the cross in the garden of Gethsemane, and you said, Father, can this cup be taken away from me? Yet not my will, but your will. In other words, Lord, even while you were struggling, the why came in, and you remembered the why. Yet you knew you needed to go through this so that we could have eternal life. You didn't benefit from this. You already are eternal. But you gave your life so that we could benefit from it. So, Lord, I pray for all of us that we would remember that we have God-given potential yet to be released. That we would be the kinds of people that not just make those sacrifices, but that we, we build our spirit so that our spirit is strong enough to receive our God-given potential and your promises to sustain them. We need a strong spirit. And we pray that we would reach maximum capacity when it comes to our potential. Lord, breathe life into us. Release anything in us, Lord, that is not of you. We cast that out in the name of Jesus. We pray for your spirit, your power, your strength to come into our hearts right now, into our thought life, into our physical life, into our emotional life, and into our spirit, Lord. We need to be led by you. Sometimes we go in wrong directions, so give us wisdom so that we may follow you every single day. Empower us, Lord. We are your church. You died for us so that we could be set free, but not just to run around and do nothing. You set us free so that we could reach maximum capacity. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. We all said together, amen. Isn't God so good? He's so good to us. He's so good.